everything from overlanding in your stock rig to full-blown LS-powered tube buggies on stickies. This is the Total Off-Road Podcast. I'm Derek. I'm Mike, and welcome to episode 163. 163 episodes around this earth, globe, rock thing. That, that's how many times we went around. <laughs> we went around 163 times. Does that make it? That makes us like not even, we're just babies. We're just little babies. Little babies. How, what, what is like the normal lifespan of a podcast? <laughs> I think it's 163-ish. Oh shit, we're about to zip. <laughs> so while we may be infants, we're also near our deaths. Wow, that's uh, that's some that's some deep shit right there. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about beers and off-roading to lessen the uh, existential doom, dread, whatever. That's not the worst idea you ever had. You showed uh, me a pretty sweet beer before we started recording, and I'm excited to hear all about it. So why don't you go first? Okay, I'm going to have to post an image of this because the image... This is almost better than the beer, and don't get me wrong, it's a fabulous beer. I'm having a triptych, this is fine, and they actually got licensing from Casey Green, and if you guys don't know what this is fine is, have you ever seen a dog sitting in a burning room saying this is fine? <laughs> well, that's the image on this beer, and it's a double India Pale Ale, uh, it's got a few kinds of hops in it, but most importantly, it's got Hawaiian vanilla beans, so it's not only a hazy IPA, it is a delicious and sweet hazy IPA. That sounds a lot like the um, what, what is it? Windmills, not something. Giant, not giants, but windmills. Not giants, no, but windmills. not windmills. Either yeah, one, right. one of those. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yes, it's a, it's kind of a milkshake IPA, but it's delicious. Uh, they just came out with it last week, or when you're listening to it, maybe a couple weeks ago. Regardless, I picked up some. It's phenomenal, and uh, and the art on the can is just wonderful. And what's especially wonderful is that. The not the owner, but uh, his like right hand man, Mike. He went out and got a hold of the artist and verified that it was okay. And I think they offered to pay him to use his work on their can rather than just stealing it off the internet like a lot of breweries <laughs> would do. How nice of so, them! Yeah, exactly. They're a legit brewery, Triptic Brewing, Savoy, Illinois. All right, I what am. What you drinking? If you don't know who Triptic is, listeners, shame on you. Or welcome to the first episode of Total Offer Podcast that you're listening to. <laughs> no, no shit, right? <laughs> uh, I haven't drank this yet. Um, this is an oh. East Brother Beer Co. Freighter Series Doppelbach. They are out of Richmond, California. And actually, um, Don Happel, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Um, and I gotta, now I got I forgot how, what his username is. So bear with me one second. It's just Don Happel. D-O-N-H-A-P-P-E-L. Um, I didn't know if there's any underscores or anything like that. Um, he's not part of that club, but, uh, he's up in near Sacramento area and he was down in the Bay area uh, a couple days ago, um, podcast time. And he brought me a six-pack, variety pack, of this East Brother Beer Co. And I've already had a couple. They've been phenomenal. And I'm about to try the Doppelbach. Ah, that was crispy. So satisfying. I can never wait. I also have to open my beer before. Ooh, that's good. What is it? A Doppelbach? It's a Doppelbach, but it's, like, really rich. I guess Doppelbachs are usually pretty rich, but it's ex- uh, exceptionally rich. Nice. Like I love probably, me a rich beer. 
Only, oh, it's 9%. Fuck. Ah, there it is. That's why it's <laughs> Well, so I will be having one of these, and that will be it for me tonight, because I am lightweight. Uh, but anyway, Donald, Donald, Don Apple <laughs> has a Land Rover Discovery, and he is part of the NorCal Rovers, uh, I guess, off-roading club. Um, and uh, he just put 40-inch IROX on his Land Rover and went off-roading in the snow this past weekend, so I'm excited to... Give him a follow and see how that went. Um, it looks like it went pretty well. But, uh, yeah. He actually bought a set of 40-inch uh, Pro XSs. And Ooh. I think they were a little too big. <laughs> really? Yeah. So he was saying that those measure out a good actual 40-inch. Um, whereas the IROX come in a bit small. Okay. So I just want to know what kind of person buys let's just say a couple thousand dollars worth of tires <laughs> and they get them all mounted up and they put them on the truck and then they say you know what i just spent two grand instead of i see derek he's showing <laughs> me a picture of size comparison but let me go back to my point okay you just spent two grand you got your tires mounted up there on your truck oh they don't quite fit guess what it's sawzall time it's not i guess i'm gonna go spend another two grand time who does that that's crazy uh, I don't know this guy and the excess Here, look, probably look. Liked better. here's the excess look how much sawzalling would need to happen Seven sawzallings. Well, apparently he just needs to do less research. That's all. Sorry, Don, if you're listening. Uh, I'm almost positive they do. Mm. I'm just saying that it's kind of gone by the wayside. I don't know. Seems like I most mean, people don't go interco like anymore. Not I think, to say I they're mean, not I good tires. They're still good tires. People, other companies just started making 40s, right? Like, lots of other companies started making 40s. Like, Interco had the market, like, cornered. Like, it was Pitbull, Interco, and then, like, there was some, you know, uh, Goodyear had the MTR Kevlar that was 40 inch and 42. Yep. And uh, that was pretty much it. But now, you've got Procomp, you've got Nitto, you've got Mickey Thompson, you've got Cooper, you've got... BF Goodrich. Yokohama. I've already said that. Yeah, there's just a ton of them. Yeah. So you got options. And for people that drive the rigs on the street, maybe people don't want to drive, you know, on a IROC. It's not the most aggressive Super Swamper, that's for sure, but it's not tame. No, I don't (laughs) blame them. I mean, not that XSs are that much better. I mean, I've had Intercos and Mickeys, and they're both pretty gnarly on the street. But, you know, they perform so well off-road. They sure do. I mean, I'm like half tempted now that I don't live in cold climates to fuck with a pro xs Ooh. <laughs> but uh no, you know what fuck it derek go pro x oh god just a 43 <laughs> just bop 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 like you you roll and the truck just shifts up and yeah, down like two or three exactly. inches with each like eighth of a turn <laughs> is a 43 the smallest you can get in an x you might be i think I thought, you, no no you can I get a 40 because uh nick um oh my god with the cherokee as if our Nick automotive, Nick LeBlanc, okay. I think, has those in a 40, I believe. The 4,000 Nicks listening with the Cherokee right now, we're like, is it me? Is it uh, me? It's not me. The 4,000 with, <laughs> with, with Pro, X, Pro X's and Cherokees. And Cherokees. Oh, yeah. no, he has, his are different. His are the um, the USD stickies. I'm right. I'm wrong. Oh, so he's extra, extra gnarly. They're super gnarly. Like, it's, look at this fucking thing. Oh, my it's God. So crazy. I don't know why yeah. it's so blurry, but whatever. Whatever. Um, all right, so it. sorry, Nick. You're not the one, but <laughs> I think they do make them. Maybe they don't, but they definitely make them in a 43. 
I think they also make the Pro XS in a 43 question mark. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So my plan is to stick with the Baja boss. And when I have some money and I can actually buy the dang things, 42s. You're going to have to sawzall. I'm actually, yes, a lot in the front. The back is good. The back I measure, yeah. I can fit a 43. But okay, I'm gonna have though. to. I'm gonna have to saw it all a lot in the front bumper. Or goodbye. Um, <clears throat> since since you're gonna be on leaf springs forever, I recommend maybe getting some five inch lift blocks for the front. It's totally safe <laughs> and it'll perform better. Oh, okay, great. No, um, <laughs> you're like no. No, no. I was gonna say no uh, anti rep bar or anything. Just, oh no! Why would you need that? No, okay. Just we'll let the axle like rotate forward like 10 degrees every time it hits, hits slam on the brakes i told you to perform better didn't i I'm, you're right you know that's, <laughs> you that's it's like wrinkle walls but wrinkle springs wrinkle springs <laughs> i got them wrinkle springs i got those wrinkles i mean i kind of do have some wrinkle springs right now uh, they're a little shit. bit not perfect views but whatever they've been worse um oh yeah oh yeah mike did you do anything off-road related I got a visit from the Axle Fairy this weekend. The Axle Fairy? What did the Axle Fairy bring you? The Axle Fairy brought me the rare and hard to find and super amazing 1978 to 79 Ford Super Duty Dana 60. Not Super Duty. I mean, F250 Dana 60. Yeah. F350 like, Dana 60, whatever. Super Duty. I have one of those. Still, yeah. Still have one. The plan exactly. was for me to give rock. me my old one, and I dragged my feet and ran out of money to link my truck <laughs> before I moved. It's all right. Groey, who is a.k.a. the Axle Fairy, <laughs> he, gave me, he gave me a similar deal that you were going to. So Hell yeah. Yeah. So now That's I awesome. have in my possession a Dana 60 with high steer that I'm not sure I can use. Uh, but, you know, we'll see once it's under the truck. Well, I just don't know about the framing clearance. stuff. You know, like, yeah, clearance. I mean, you've got... A drag link going to... So I was talking to Groey about this too because I've had steering woes again, um, which we'll get to later. But um, uh, he was saying that the drag link was the only thing that interfered. So if your drag link currently is not interfering, you might be okay. It currently does not interfere. I mean, if you go, if I go full flex up on the passenger side, it like kisses the frame, but it's okay. never caused me an issue, so I just deal with it. Mm. Now... No, you might have issues because your so your knuckle right now in your Dana forty four being ball joint is like the top of the knuckle is below the inner C, correct? Like both ball joints mount under on the underside of the inner C. You know, I'd have to look at it. They must, right? Oh yeah, I think that uh, I think that the studs, I, I think that the the high steer arm is almost like level with the top of the C. Oh, like yeah. it's just on the You're outside fucked. of it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, because it's much taller. Um, yeah, because because on a kingpin axle, the bottom, the knuckle, like, is top and bottom mount to the inner C. So like you put, <clears throat> excuse me, you put the bottom kingpin in, and then you put the top like thing on, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or actually I have it backwards, but regardless, you're so yeah, it's gonna be a little bit higher. Well, so. we'll see. Well, I'll just use a five-inch lift block on the front only. <laughs> <laughs> just solves all problems. I don't better performance saws, too. We already talked about I'll that. Saws all my frame and then not box it in and just leave it open. 
<laughs> My God. Less research, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so little I'll research. Still, I'll still outwheel you. Inverse research. Now you'll be able to outwheel me. Shit, you're gonna just going to be foot to the floor all the time. You'll never have to let off because the TBI 350 cannot physically break a Dana yep. 6. It doesn't have chromos. Uh, all but the long side enter, which oh, apparently yeah, right. never breaks, but whatever. We'll see. Never I'll try to break so it. So far, yeah, you'll, you can try and break it. I mean... Our, da- our Dana 60... Our, our stock Dana 60 shafts stronger than Chromo 44 shafts. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Do you know how many spines the 44 shafts are? I don't... I like don't 19 or something, yeah. Oh, God. Okay. No, but it's like a super coarse, like, jaggedy 19 spline, I think. We're going to do some research right now, on the fly. <laughs> Ooh, we're going to get it. Dana 44 Dana. axle shaft diameter. Uh, oh, God damn it. All right. Factory axle shafts range from 10 spline to 32 with diameters from 1.175 to 1.41. If you're at 19 spline, you're probably like right smack dab in the middle, so let's call it one and a quarter. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed. All right. Dana 60. Didn't make it easy. Uh, 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 I'm pretty sure they're one and a half. This Damn, that's a big me. axle shaft. They're like the size of a, a 14 bolt shaft, roughly. No, the non neck downs, of course. Okay, so here's here's some tech that I do know. I don't know what the diameter is, but the 78 and okay. 79 Dana 60 stock shafts. So they have 35 spine that goes into the carrier, and then it necks down t- to a smaller diameter, which I don't know what it is. So the chromos that you replace them with don't neck down. So they're yeah. like full one and a half inch all the way to the yoke. Um, so so if I have Yukon hardcore lockouts, which I'm pretty sure I do now, are is that outer shaft different or is it just the regular 35 spline outer shaft? So the regular Dana 60 is a 30 spline outer shaft. Okay, so, then I have 35 spline, I think, outers. Yeah, I'm chromo. pretty sure I recall Growy upgrading everything like doing chromo outers and the yukon hardcore hubs which are like pretty damn bulletproof they're, they're definitely the most bulletproof hub if you're not gonna yeah locking hub. If you're not gonna yeah, locking hub, okay so i mean yeah so basically if i'm not breaking my chromo 44 then i'm probably not gonna break my chromo 35 swine 60 good god i i <laughs> okay how much more does my truck weigh than yours a lot i don't know at least and, a ton yeah at least a ton and I have gotten really rowdy with mine to the point where I'm like, when it happens and I'm like, I'm just watching like the tire sidewall, like wrinkle and like the whole tire shifts forward, like, you know, 20 or 30 degrees. And then like, thikunk, thikunk, thikunk. I'm like, how is this not breaking? I don't care. It's not. I happy. don't care. Because <laughs> I have spare axle shafts, so I'm like, you know what? If it does break, it's not a, like I'm not there for a day. Like I'll just go back to camp and put in a new axle shaft or do it on the trail, whatever. Um, so I'm like pretty relentless on my front axle, and then the rear is a 14 bolt. So yeah, it's it's, fine. it's so. F- I always think about how funny it is like all these things we do to our front axles, and they're usually the ones that break, right? And then the, <laughs> Right, right though. So, and then we get the fourteen bolts up back, and someone's like, "Hey, Mike, what have you done to that fourteen bolt?" I'm like, "I put it in the truck." <laughs> oh, no, I changed the fluid once. <laughs> I put gears in it. Well, you didn't. But- I didn't. I literally <laughs> left it. It's just a one hundred percent stock nineteen seventy nine fourteen bolt. I think I did brakes once, and I changed the fluid a couple times because of deep water, and that's it. 
it's such it's a good like, axle it's and it's, and so, it's so easy to build like you could crazy like, easy every noob in the world can regear a 14 bolt and it's, it should be the and, first axle you gear because it makes it so easy to like change all the settings and understand it then from there like the hard part is like doing it not like yeah. understanding it yeah and and make so the hard part is on a regular axle is like okay i made a change oh, i went the wrong way but that's mm-hmm. so much extra work to like undo oh, the yeah. shims especially if you don't have setup bearings i can't even imagine setting up a front axle that doesn't have setup bearings or a, a dana axle that you'd have, have to have lots of tools that we don't have to make sure you get it right the first time <laughs> i have a lot of those tools and i still hate it so <laughs> <laughs> setting up axles is not a lot of fun i'll be honest yeah. except for on a 14 that's it when i went to my 513s i did the 14 bolt in like an hour and 20 minutes or something like that it was like less than an hour and a half i timed it and the dana six me the dana 60 took me three days <laughs> The not straight si- but like i i wanted it so perfect because it, when i took the 456s out of it they had like i don't know 30 or 40 thousands of backlash <laughs> oh, and they my. they never broke right and i wasn't wow. like nice to it by any means um but yeah so something that i did in ian's garage for 13 didn't years get ago, tight enough somehow wasn't right or just yeah, yeah. whatever happened it, it didn't ride well it did ride i guess it did ride just Probably not for much longer. <laughs> I mean, it rode though. But it rode, um, and so, so I was like, I got to get this thing perfect with these five thirteens, and they were used gears, so that made it extra hard. So I think I, I did hate like used gears because guys, n- guys never take the measurement before they take it out. So they did. They did this. They time. did. Okay, yeah. that's the one and thing. It still that kills took me nine like- or ten times to get it right, but I think it was because like coast first drive side. You know, anybody who set up used gears is like, yeah, I feel you, bro. <laughs> where like one pattern is good but you don't know which one is and so yeah but they work now and i just uh so happened to have the uh diff cover off recently and they look great and the backlash is still proper so and obviously they don't that. whine or do anything weird because you would know about it well it's the front axle so oh so maybe you wouldn't know about it i wouldn't even know and that was kind of my thought process like the when i did the 513s on the 14 bolt i was like no fuck we're going brand new i don't want howling gears you know on the yeah. highway, but I'm never going to have the Dana 60 at, you know, engaged at like 50 miles an hour. Cause the front drive shaft doesn't, isn't happy above that. <laughs> so that's something else considering we're talking about this year's 60. I've got a locker now. So I've always like ran one hub locked in in the winter when I drive snow day, because I'm like, well, you know, I want to be able to turn. That'd be nice. And, uh, I might just run the locker. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to spool it because I spool everything or, or weld the spider gears because that's just the best. But I've never had a front locker, so I guess I should at least try it first, right? You should try it. Uh, you may want to be careful in the snow because I think that's like a ratcheting style. It is. So you may still want to do the one hub. I don't. I honestly have never driven an automatic locker in the front in the snow. I don't know how it works. But I can imagine that if it engages randomly and you're not expecting it and you just understeer off the road, that would be bad. Yeah, <laughs> it might be. So just no power in corners is the the concern there or the, yeah. the thing to remember. Or just like unless it's like really bad snow, just engage the one hub, you know? Yeah, like you that's did. true. And it should it should engage. It'd be like would it? one. It'd be like one tire being up in the air. Yeah. So it should. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know what engages a ratcheting locker. So if one hub isn't engaged, will it like never do the right thing to make it engage? Magic engages an automatic locker. <laughs> I thought it had to be like a difference in wheel speed or something or. Oh, I mean, so. Okay, here. 
I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert. And if somebody has like a great explanation as to how like a Detroit locker works, <laughs> please tell us because I, from what I understand, there's like these, these teeth and these gears and like they're, they're not cut perfect, perfectly square. They're cut at like a slight angle so that when they engage, they grab um, a little bit so that when you're under load, they don't disengage. Um, but it always engages one depending on whichever one bites first. So like when you're driving one on the street, like I have one in the rear and a lot of the times you can feel the truck like shift when it engages mid turn because Mm -hmm. like, well, a now both rear tires are spinning at the same speed, but B it was almost always the inside tire driving the truck and the outside would just spin freely, which is Mm -hmm. weird. It's a weird sensation. It's not like driving a, a, a truck with an open diff. Um, or a selectable, whatever. Um, but you get used to it. So, I don't know. I think it's just magic. One of them spins, and then when there's, like, a differential in speed, or, like, one doesn't have any or much torque on it, it engages the other That's one. what I'm wondering. If one is just open and never has any torque on it, then will the other one just magically drive it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, I mean, that's good. I don't know. Oh, well, think about it like thing- this. Think about it like this. Like, if you're off-road... And you have a tire in the air, it's gonna lock, right? I don't know. I've never. I've literally never oh, used a rational the, locker. The answer I've is only yes. Had, okay. <laughs> the I've answer is yes. Spools. I've had I've had a tire dangling in the air, and it does work. Okay, so, that's good to know. Yeah, so I think you'd be good. The other thing that I'm considering doing, which it's <clears throat> it's it's so funny when the easy thing to do is the thing you're considering not doing. But I was like, oh, five thirteens is gonna be so bad on the highway, but. It is easy to regear a 14 bolt and it'll give me better off-road performance, which is the primary use of the truck. So I might just yeah. regear the back and just see what I see what it's like. And if you talk to Brian Mize, who was on I think one of our midweek minis back when that was a thing, telling us about gear stuff, he'll get you a good deal. That's what I did. Oh, really? Is he just like a is he a distributor or he just happens yeah. to have tons of gears or what? Oh, he's a no, distributor. he's a distributor. Okay. Um and then if he, I'm sure Chris Willie can hook you up too. <laughs> I was about to say, so I shouldn't just call Chris Willie at Complete Offer. I mean, you should probably call Chris Willie at Complete Offer <laughs> first. But. but if somebody had a set of used 513s slander, I wouldn't mind that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. But who you're... would have used 513s? Nobody goes deeper than 513. Nobody you says know, that wasn't enough. Nobody on 40s, but somebody who might be running 42s. How? Oh, 538. Is 538 the lowest you can go in one of those? On a 14 bolt, yes. On a Dana 60, you can go down to 717. What in the actual fuck? Is that two pinion teeth? Is it like, to dink? To dink? I think it has seven. So, almost. <laughs> that is a scary small amount of pinion teeth. It actually, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one benefit of Dana axles because I think the Dana 70 is the same. So, you can run a Dana 60 and a Dana 70 at 717. Which is cool if you're like really looking for that low, low gearing. But also, um, you're gonna shear your pinion off. You know, people say that. I've never actually seen a pinion sheared off, and I, I always wonder. I'm like, because you hold up like a 323 next to like a 513, and you're like, oh my god, the 513 looks so weak. But like, it doesn't matter what the outer diameter of the teeth are. I guess that's a good point. It matters what the fucking where it transitions to whatever the smallest diameter is, is what it matters, right? So, and usually that's where the pinion shaft transitions to the splines for the yoke. Exactly. Usually when I see broken pinions, it's there. It's not the teeth. 
So it has nothing to do with that. Might just be totally fine. I won't say that has nothing to do with it, but because I don't know for sure. But I, I honestly, I think that's probably not the weak point. Hmm. But I'm no expert. I don't know. I'm not a gear guy. If anything, the pinion that's smaller in diameter might have less deflection because it's so small and may actually be stronger. Maybe, yeah. The teeth probably deflect less. Yeah, or like the whole the whole thing is an assembly. Like you like you said, like a three twenty three. It's like this massive thing, like hanging off the shaft. But if mm-hmm. uh, if you if the <laughs> if the teeth are more or less like no bigger than the shaft. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but uh, I'm just saying as small as they are, it's probably like. Have you seen a seven seventeen pinion? You're not really? exaggerating that much. It's tiny. It's like hilarious. I mean, I I actually would really like to see one because it sounds hilarious. But uh, All right, I'll I'll dig one up. Okay. Uh, why are we talking about that? Oh, God, it looks so oh, be- tiny. We're talking about it because I was just talking about keeping my 513s, that's all. No, 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 uh, sorry, why are we talking about how tiny opinion is? But here, I'm going to send it in the chat, and we'll, well, everybody can Google 717, Dana 60, 717 gears while they're listening to this and see just how tiny they are. Click on the chat. I don't know how. Oh, there it is. Oh my god, it's, it's hilarious. actually it's hilarious. It's almost like exactly what I pictured. Yep. I, I actually was I was gonna compare it to something, but but we're not on the Patreon yet, so. I was gonna do the same thing. <laughs> so listen to the Patreon, children, if you want to hear inappropriate things. There's six teeth on the pinion. I just counted. That is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. So anyway, that's awesome. Um. Yeah. So steering maybe need to be redone. Likely. Not sure about gearing. Probably going to re-gear the 14 bolt, which I agree is the right move. Yeah. A, because it's easier. You don't even need to take the like axle out of the truck to do it. So um, And then you'll have more mo better performance. It's true. Better low-speed control is really what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you really, really want to improve the, high, the highway uh, manners, you could put a um, Royal 80 in it, I guess. <laughs> Just throwing I mean, it out there, Mike. No, or a manual. You're, abs- you're absolutely... Oh, that'd be kind of fun. I guess if I had low enough gears, it wouldn't matter. I could be like Bray. You'd probably want a doubler cool. for off-roading, though. Yeah. Nah, I mean, a 480 sounds like a good plan, but man, that 400 would have to kick the bucket, and I'd have to not be able to find another cheap 400 for me to go that route, because 80s just aren't cheap. Fair enough. Um, And then it bolts in. That's Got true. It. It is just a bolt in, and then you gotta do a little bit of wiring, but like not really that much. And oh no no no, I meant uh, the axle bolts in. Oh, the axle bolts in. Yes. When you figure out the steering, figure out the. Do you need a new pinion, U uh, joint? Uh, I think I'm already thirteen fifty. I'm not positive, nice. but it is thirteen fifty. The nice. sixty is so. Regardless, I think that I could just buy a U joint. Yeah, a conversion you join if you like, at the very worst case scenario by a conversion you join. Nice. So yeah, that'll be your fuse. If if you do a thirteen, if you oh if you yeah, have, right. if you have a thirteen ten now, I've I've broken two thirteen ten to thirteen fifty conversion U joints before I finally just put a thirteen fifty on the drive shaft. Yeah. Um. So you definitely won't break a Dana sixty before that, but. I've never had an issue with my 1350, so you're good. 
All right. I mean, I think that the pinion is on this 44. I actually don't know. I was assuming it was, but I'm not sure. I mean, it's just whatever the stock pinion accepts. Oh, so it doesn't accept the 1310. Because I think even the Dana 60s had a 1310 from the factory. Oh, so Groey must have done something to it because he told me it's just 1350. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the first thing. Like, if you're regearing it and taking all, you know, taking the yoke off and all that crap, you might as well he, throw a 1350 on there. He just put a 1350 yoke on it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that's enough talking about the rare and amazing 1979 <laughs> Dana 60. With promos and 2500 HD brakes in 530. Oh, I forgot about the 2500 HD brakes. Uh, it does make the axle an inch wider overall, which I hadn't realized. But of course, he told me that after he unloaded it, I totally wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, if you want to go back. <laughs> yeah, right. You you could I, you could mount that rotor to the backside of the hub if you wanted to and then have like no. a bunch of spacers to move the caliper in. No, 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 no. Who doesn't <laughs> want to slide off rotor? It's so awesome. It's so good. And if and, you do break a shaft, which you yep. won't because you have a TBI 350, if you did, though, mm-hmm. or you need to, like, fix a U-joint, that hub comes off without having to take the whole bearing assembly apart. Yep. I can pull the whole damn thing, bearings and all, and not have to reset them up. Yes, and it's the best. Don't, don't, I don't have to get my grease. Like, I have to set my greasy bearings, like, in the mud on the side of the trail. Ugh, like <laughs> so bad. It is the worst. It's so annoying when that happens. Um, that was the best part about going to 2500 HD brakes. All right. So, Derek, what have you been up to? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just hanging out in the desert with some... What kind? What kind of desert? The Mojave what Desert. Kind of, oh, the Mojave Desert. That sounds... Like, you should have been wearing some sunscreen. I definitely wore a lot of sunscreen. I also had a neck gaiter to prevent myself from getting dust in my lungs for a good chunk of it. And So, Derek, were, were you riding a camel or something? What's going on? I was bro? riding a camel, yeah, named SAS1. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to Hammertown uh, for oh, the shit. King of the Hammers, which I guess if you live under a rock <laughs> is... Uh, the the I don't even know the pinnacle ultra four race. I don't know. I'd call Honestly, it like the biggest off road event in America. That's what I would call it. Yeah, I was wondering about that. It must be right. Like it's a hundred. I would assume. I don't know about a hundred, but it, they were saying eighty thousand some odd people on the lake bed. And I think that's over the course of the week, like not at all at once, but still, it's probably fifty thousand. Um. It was bananas. Um, I'm so glad I went. It's not a good wheeling trip. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sure we'll get to that. There's so much happening. No, no, no. Sorry. It was a good wheeling trip, but like going during the race, especially I was there. One of the three days I was there was the actual race, the 4400 yeah. race. So you can't really like wheel. Um, yeah, of course. Unless you go like way, way around where the course is at. Um, so, yeah, I'll just give my whole, like, spiel, because so much happened. I've got, like, a, a small novel written about all of the things that happened. Have you um, categorized it so you know where to start and where to finish? Well, I'm just going to go in order. Oh, my gosh. Have we been recording for 43 minutes? No, that can't be. That's got to be how long we've been on this. Okay. 31. All right. So, my friend Tommy uh, came down. Thursday night 
on the what was it the the Thursday before the big race, which was the big race was on Saturday, so that we could leave Friday morning early. So we left super early, like six o'clock. Got to Hammertown around three o'clock, um, and we met with met up with Tommy's friend Mike. Um, who was graciously allowing us to use either his trailer, like his enclosed trailer, like enclosed hauler trailer, or his, um, like, I'm not going to call it overlandy van, but like a, a transit, a proper transit tall roof van that he uses for like dirt bike stuff and camping. Um, and so he convinced us, twisted our arms to use that van which was a godsend because the last night we were there was like 60 mile an hour winds and like sand storm and rain and all kinds of crazy stuff um and it was very nice and warm on the other days when it wasn't that crazy so very happy about that um definitely you can camp in a tent but you got to be badass we brought a tent just in case. <laughs> you gotta but, be badass. More badass than you, Derek? More badass than me. Way more. I'm a, Damn, and you're a like camping at Camper Extraordinaire over here. There's just nowhere to, like, stake your tent in. It's all sand, right? So, like, That's a good point. People talk about um, tents, like, flying all over the lake bed with coolers in them. Like, you just bring four cinder blocks with you. I guess. Or, like... I don't know. I don't know. So... Um, Anyway, we, we camped in a van, which was great. Um, so we, we hung out with him. Uh, I drove. I found Ian. Um, Shelby was not you there. You did. I did find Ian, yeah. I actually well, was just talking about that today, and I was like, I wonder if he found Ian. I did find Ian. Um, they were prepping. It was Friday night or Friday evening. So they were prepping for the big race on the next day. And uh, so I didn't want to, like, distract them too much. But I said hi. saw Catherine. Um, and we just hung out for a little bit. And then... There were a fair amount of people that I was trying to meet up with. So I, I had high hopes of doing a night run uh, on Friday night. And it didn't really happen. Um, so I met up with uh, Jason and Chris from Real and Wine and Whiskey um, to try and figure out where their camp was and everything like that. So we set up our camp. We moved the van over to there, um, grabbed some food. Um, they've got quite the setup. They, I think he said that there were like 60 people camping in there like, you know, like compound, we'll call it. Um, and they had like a professional tent set up. That's like, you know, they had like all their food and stuff in it. And they had like a clear, they had three, three sides of this tent were like walled off with the, like the nylon walls. And then one of them had a, like a clear thing to keep the dust out, wow. which is like quite smart. If I've They're seen not it. amateurs. They're not amateurs. They've been doing this for a while. So, <laughs> um, and so they kind of showed us around as much as they could, but, Jason was doing comms for Amber running the EMC challenge, so um, I didn't want to get in their way, so went and found Dave Hazak, who I think you met, right, at the Badlands. He has the Amigo. It was the day that Bray had the big damage on the snow thing. He was on the podcast, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah I think that... He was, was in the Works for Ravine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in studio doing the podcast with him. That's right. I'm pretty sure. I yeah. think you were. Yeah. Um, so met up with him. Uh, Brody Botts, who I know from... He was on Ultimate Adventure with me. He's got the side chick, which is like the really colorful um, sidekick on 40s. Or I think he took the 38s for Ultimate Adventure. But 
normally on 40s and uh, Mark Clyde, who was his co-dog on Ultimate Adventure as well. Um, hung out with them for a bit and then we're like, you know what? Like, let's go check out Backdoor. So like we went over to Backdoor, thought there would be some crazy stuff happening. There were like maybe 30 people, 40 people. And there was like hmm. two or three rigs. that we, we hung around for like 40 minutes. Like two or three rigs kept trying. And I was like, this is not that exciting. I mean, they were pretty capable rigs, just like trying all the different lines and like slowly trying to crawl it and like just failing. And it was cool to watch. It's, it's a huge obstacle. Um, Did you show them how to do it, Derek? I, uh, let me get to that later. So, um, Ooh. and, uh, so then we're like, all right, this is boring. Like, let's go check out chocolate thunder. That was not boring. That was complete shenanigans abound, like fireworks, being shot off and fortunately they were all going up but i was like man if one of those mortars falls over we're gonna die <laughs> mm-hmm. um because like it's in the most of the trails at johnson valley are like in ravines like at the bottom of the ravine so they're like super gnarly and there's not like much of an issue of like or risk of like falling off the edge you know like when we were at harlan oh. Yeah, yeah. Or like in Moab and stuff like that. You're you're down in there, right? You can roll, but like you're gonna roll once, you know, or, or half a time, right? <laughs> Flop it. I getcha. Um on most of them. There are some that are on the ridge, but so Chocolate Thunder is one of those. Um and so everybody's lining the sides of this this of this valley. Like they're they're lining this. There's fires going on. There's at least a thousand people watching all of this carnage happening Damn. and so there's people with like light bars and like they're just a bunch of toyotas like blah, 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 rev limiting it all the way up and like driving over other vehicles it was bananas uh which is why i did not try any of these trails at night because i was like i don't want to be driven over like literally it looked like rc no. cars driving over other rc cars we've done that we have with rc cars <laughs> yeah so that was cool. Um, hung out there for a while. Um, we left and we were like, you know, before we go back to camp, like let's just drive around a little bit. So we, we ended up on the other side of the mountain that Chocolate Thunder is on. Um, found some rocks, definitely not anything hardcore, and just like did a little bit of wheeling. And then um, got up to the top ridge where Chocolate Thunder climbs up to, and there's, like, a spectacular view of Hammertown, all the lights, all the people. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, so then we went back to camp. And, uh, yeah, we turned in for the night, I think. I'm trying to think. Did I, did I miss anything here? Uh, what does your outline say? I'm reading, there's a lot of things on my outline, so... <laughs> <laughs> so that was Friday night, right? We got into town. We got settled. We watched some carnage. We met some people and went to sleep so saturday we were going to get up early to watch the race start i think it starts at eight so we tried to get there at like 7 30 7 45 um should have gotten there way earlier because we could not get a good spot to like see the cars leave the line um but so we met up with cody bennett um who i know from the ultimate adventure 2018 dirty dozen so he so actually so I, I'm still friends with a lot of people from that year. Like we, that was still kind of in the era of the forums. And so there was a forum about the ultimate adventure, like dirty dozen, like who's going to get selected and blah, blah, blah. So like we, we, we stayed in touch pretty well on that one. Um, 
And uh, so I met up with Cody and then Derek Rickford, who was also a 2018 Dirty Dozen and went on UA last year. Um, he lives up in near Tahoe. Um, and I've met him in Moab a couple of times. Um, and so just a good friend. Um, so they were hanging out. We watched the beginning of the race there. They had a good view of one of the jumbotrons. Um, and you could hear the trucks, you know, the four ultra four cars off in the distance. Um, and then we went back to camp, ate some burritos, and then we watched the race action at Chocolate Thunder during the day. So they're going down Chocolate Thunder, which is gnarly. I mean, watching these like crazy fast cars, you know, go down and then go back up another hill right around the corner was pretty gnarly. Um, then we went to Jackhammer and Sledgehammer, which those you couldn't really even park next to. So you have to like park and then hike a bit. Um, and one lap they're going up Jackhammer and one lap they're going up Sledgehammer and then both of these trails kind of Y off from each other. Um, so we got to see like the first like five or six go up, uh, Sledgehammer, which was the last lap. Um, so those are the fastest, you know, vehicles and you could see it for a little bit and then they kind of go out of sight to where you can't spectate them. And so, um, it was pretty cool though, just to hear them like echoing, like thundering throughout the the canyon that they were in, which is pretty nice. Um, but uh, uh, what happened after that? I mean, that that we did that for a while. There was just a lot to see, a lot to take in. So a lot of this you couldn't see in person because it was just too hard to get in there. So you were, they had like huge monitors set up. Yeah. So in Hammertown and around. No, 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 no. Stay there. Sorry, my dog's trying to walk on my table. Um, yeah, so in Hammertown, they have big monitors that are just live streaming the actual race, right? Like, you can live stream it online, and so it's basically showing that. It might be a little bit more in, in real time than the actual online stream, but yeah, it's... Is um, there service there? Not much. So that actually is probably one of the hardest things to figure out when you're there is, like, how do you get a hold of people that you know unless you have, like, radios? Um and so, yeah, just getting <laughs> getting um, GPS coordinates from people was difficult, and especially because they're constantly moving around and stuff. So, um, but, is that uh, how you would find each other? You would just like send a text, like "I'm at this coordinate, find me." So with um, with um, with Dave Radmigo. Um, and Tommy, who was my co-pilot, just in case we got separated, we, we shared our location on Google Maps. So when you'd have service, it would just share it, right? You'd, you'd know where they are. Oh, um, it was live. So it changed. Yeah, it was, if you moved, it would move with you. If Your you had service. Would, as yeah, long yeah, as you yeah, had service, right. yeah. So so that was really actually quite effective. Because um, you'd pop in and out of service. I think there's more service than it seemed like. It's just so many people on like one repeater or whatever you want to call oh, it yeah. that like it's just hard to. So um but it was funny because like Tommy and I, were, Ian sent us some texts about how to find him, and Tommy and I were like reading it before we had even gotten into Hammertown, and we we're like, he's like, turn left at the big red trailer, and then turn right at the f- American flag, and I'm like, this is not like, we're not gonna know. I'm <laughs> like, there's no gonna way. be seven thousand American flags, like, <laughs> but like we read it and like we're like, oh, there's the red trailer, oh, there's the American flag that he was talking about, like, <laughs> that's really funny. So, um, so yeah, it, it worked pretty well actually. Um, but during the day and then at night you you find your bearings, I guess, because of like people have like, you know, those like whips on like UTVs that are lighted. People had like 30 times longer ones that they would attach to their RVs and you could use those as like, 
uh, landmarks. I guess that's. Oh, I thought you were about to say they're trying to get some sort of crazy service with it. No, but no, yes, no. As a landmark, I get it. <clears throat> so, I think a lot of them are probably on flagpoles. Like they would mount a flagpole to their trailer, oh, right, yeah. and then just run like Christmas lights up it, so you could see the flagpole at night, and then also see the flag when it's daylight. Makes sense. So, yeah, it's a good idea actually. Um, and then there was somebody that had a cell phone repeater, um, actually at at Dave Hayzak and Brody's camp. Um. So I was able to like call my wife <laughs> nice for a short amount of time because <clears throat> she was in New York doing her own thing. So aren't you just a traveling couple? I just a traveling couple. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then uh, after Jackhammer and Sledgehammer, uh, we went over to Turkey Claw, which is close to where we were camping, but like on the other side of the lake bed. Um, and so we tried to catch the peep the the leaders coming through there, but it was kind of a mixed bag of like. People that are just really slow on their second lap because they broke at some point during the race or whatever. And then some of the leaders who were like trying to figure out who's who. They did have a Jumbotron there, so we'd know who the leader was because the finish line was shortly after Turkey Claw. Um, and uh, yeah, after we watched the first few, um, it was pretty quiet. And so um, I had been talking with one of my friends from Pirate 4x4 Days, Chris Agnetta. And he works with Radial Dynamics, um, and he was there with the Capital EV Evolve race team, um, who, if the name isn't obvious enough, have electric 4,400 cars. Oh, shit. And so he was like, we're going to go, you know, wheel up in the mountains. Like, they'd, they'd, I think they did the EMC challenge, um, and maybe even some of the first lap. Um but there were some issues. I mean, they're, they're still working out the kinks. Um, but they're these things are bananas. Um, I actually posted a picture. No, I saw that photo. I'll, I think I sent it to you guys. Oh, maybe you uh, just sent it to us. But either way, yeah. I have seen it. And I mean, looking at the photo, you don't even know what you're looking at. You're like, oh, there's Derek and some guys wheeling. So one of them is the Test 10. So it's a like a square body S10 that was. Planned so Keith is the owner. It they had planned to make it into an Ultra Four car, um, but I think he was originally just going to put in like a big you know Ultra Four engine, you know V eight, so on. You know the call it cookie cutter, but it's not that cookie cutter. Um, and then at some point he was like, "Well, let's let's do EV." So they found a Model S that was crashed, pulled all the junk out of it, re like situated the battery modules to make it more like race car friendly and uh this i mean these things are so fast and so silent like it's unbelievable like you're sitting next to one you just hear like gear gear mesh whirring and they take off and they're gone <laughs> like you're used to an ultra four car that's like straight you know straight headers or like whatever oh, yeah. Loud as all some of them are eight into one like they sound like freaking ferraris taking off and this thing's just like just gone and it's pretty neat. Um, they were working out some kinks. I think the the like throttle was kind of binary, like full throttle or no throttle, which on an EV is like really hard to drive. <laughs> is that um, just because they're trying to use the Tesla stuff, or they could use the Tesla stuff and so they tried to do it themselves and it lost some of the the what's the word for when it does a curve? Uh, I don't know. There's exponential. Uh, yeah, I think exponential is the word we're looking for. Yeah, um, 
even linear would have been fine, like just a gradient. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of programming and spoofing things to make the Tesla stuff work, from what I understand. So um, there's some really smart people working on this crap. <laughs> that I don't understand it. So, but I think it's super neat. And they were going to even hot swap batteries. Um, but from what I understand, their battery like sponsor like kind of backed out. So um, hopefully next year they actually have that. So like when you come into pit after the first lap, swap in a battery and then finish the rest of the race. So they're making it like an RC car where it's like you just slide it out and plug it in real quick. Yeah. So they had I looked at the car. They have this like um, like big bicycle chain like welded to two rails with wheels on it. And then they would like crank the battery out using gears that were into the bicycle chain. What? And then they, from what I understand, they were going to have a chase truck with a crane, an actual crane on it to pull the battery out and swap in a new one. They said that they were planning to take like maybe 10 to 15 minutes or something like that, which is crazy. Like, I mean, ultra four pits, I don't think are super fast. Like when, when there's things wrong, like they take a while. So like you can probably make up 10 or 15 minutes in an EV um, over. If that's all that's broken. If that's all, or if that's course. all it needs, it just needs a battery change and of nothing course. else is wrong. But. but if you got a good enough pit, like you can throw new tires on in that amount of time, like you get it like nice and ready to be super fresh. So, so how much does one of those battery weighs that they need a crane? Like, I mean, I don't know the capacity or the volts or anything about it. I mean, I assume it's pretty big. So it's like a, I think they had a P85, so it's an 85 kilowatt hour, 450 volt battery. I'm just thinking like I have to think I know that the I would say like just over a thousand pounds that's a massive battery it's a big battery um but you don't have an engine you don't have a transmission they do have transfer cases right I think they're Hmm. using a 205 they have have the motor like running the 205 basically just the motor just slams right into it kind of I mean there's a lot of adapting but yeah um and one thing I thought that was very cool, so since they only had the one battery, um, they ended up having to do like an emergency charge where they hooked up the rig and they put it in regen mode, but in double low. So they're like, and then they pulled it with some other vehicle, like oh, yeah. somewhat low speed, but it was like spinning the motor super fast. So they were like charging the battery that way, which Double I was like, that's, that's ge- genius. So the other car that was there... I guess as a spec, I should have done my research and written stuff down, but I, I didn't, so I apologize. But it's got like a, a Dana motor and like a 40 kilowatt hour battery, which is much smaller um, and lighter. And they're in four modules, so you can take them out. You can Those you can lift by hand um, and, and one at a time. So you take one out, put a new one in. I think they're a little bit heavier than a car battery, but not much. Um, so that was the other car they had, which was super cool too. Um, just That one, the throttle was working better, so he was actually crawling up. Um, and I got to wheel kind of next to him, which was sweet. Um, but yeah, we're just like out. I don't even know if it was a trail. I don't think it was. It was just kind of like rocks on BLM land. Um, just tooling around outside of Hammer, way outside of Hammertown, actually. Um, but it was really neat to meet those guys and see what they're working on. So then we, we did that for a while. Got a little lost. Went, went back to camp. Um, and what did we do? I think that was... Oh, then the only the thing after that, I met Tyler from Snail Trail back at camp. Um, we were just chilling. We had dinner. Um, we hung out around the fire, and he was telling me that he was going to go up to Fisher Peak 
to take down a repeater that he had set up, I guess, at the beginning of the week. Um, so we had to wait until after the, the, the course was cold, so no longer active, um, to cross over it and go up the thing. Um, but it was like, it was super far. It was like a 40, 45 minute to an hour drive each way, um, Damn. through the desert, up a trail, which was neat. It was kind of neat to be on a trail for that long. And we were, I mean, for, through the desert, like I tried to go as fast as I could, but my truck is not set up for like desert whoops. So, um, I mean, there were points so where I was catching like 35. No, I tried not to at least. Um, but yeah, that was, it was a nice, easy trail. Um, but it was cool to just to go and do that. Um, and so we got a nice view of Hammertown. I think that's the highest point. Uh, oh, cool. within within Johnson Valley, at least the OHV area. Um, so we got a, another good view of Hammertown, but a lot of people had started to leave during the actual race. So with that many people, the traffic is just bananas. So you could see like a line of red brake lights just leaving Hammertown from up on top of the mountain. It was it was nuts. Uh, so then we went back, went to sleep, um, and then Sunday was wheeling day. So... All the racing was over by Saturday night. Like there was no racing Sunday. Yes. Cool. Oh, actually, yeah. Before we went up to Fishers, we like hung out at Chocolate Thunder again for a while and just watched more shenanigans happening. Um, unfortunately, I think Dave Dave Hazak lost a wheel. Um, <laughs> we're like driving, and the wheel just he just stops, and we don't we're not like why'd you stop? Like we couldn't understand what was going on so we like circled we're like parked waiting like he's not moving let's go back and check on him so we get back he's got his, his wheels just sitting next to the amigo and i guess all of the slug nuts just came loose <laughs> and the wheel was just like wee um, so he needed to take a chapter out of steve's book and torque his lug nuts huh that's what i was saying He was like they were torqued i was like i don't believe you he was like they were torqued like two years ago <laughs> the last time you took them off I was like, oh, that's probably the problem. But anyway. Yeah, but who ever retorques their wheels? Once they're torqued, they're torqued, right? Uh, I don't think he torqued them. Torqued them. I think he was like, yeah, I gave him the good old calibrated arm torque. You know what else matter. concerns me is is the torque on beadlocks. Like, I must have retorqued my beadlocks like four times because I never had beadlocks, so I was super nervous about it. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, do I ever do it again or is it just fine until I take the tires off? I don't know. I think you technically, should yeah, well, okay. <laughs> technically, Raceline says you're supposed to replace the beadlock hardware every year, but that doesn't but every specify year means so many different things. Yeah, I know, and that's why I'm like, that's not really a good spec, right? It should be every so many miles or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but they also say don't reuse beadlock hardware, which is probably not a bad practice. So every time you break down your wheels and put on new um or you oh my know. god 128 new bolts every time yeah it's a lot <laughs> um so yeah i don't know i don't think it hurts to retorque them um i, mean, I just don't know yeah i don't know either i'm a beadlock newbie well i guess you kind of are too i'm kind of a newbie too so who knows if somebody knows tell us yeah, we want to know from the guy that's been rocking a set of beadlocks and like drives on the interstate every day. He's been doing it for like seven years. Bray. Hey Bray, can you chime in real quick? Bray, Bray are you listening? Can you could you chime in on this? <laughs> I'll just ask him. Could do that. Um 
if anyone's wondering, me. I was gonna say if anyone's wondering about my roll cage, it's it's still not done. I'm just throwing that in there. Oh jeez. <laughs> now he's not gonna answer us, you jerk. Right. Yeah, I didn't say anything negative. I just said it's not done. So speaking of beadlocks, <laughs> so actually no. So so Dave, um, it was pretty late in the night at that point. So we we took. He had he's got six lugs, so he put three from the other we, other front axle because the back aren't matching. They're like metric or the front are metric. I can't remember which. Oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah. Um. So we took three from the other one, drove back to camp, and then we found a couple more actually that were just lying on the lake bed. <laughs> so we I think he was running four total on each, and uh, so he got up a little extra early, went into town, bought uh the rest of the lug nuts that he needed. So now he had six lugs again. And, um, we got up and headed to Turkey claw after eating some breakfast. And, uh, I get there and I hear it every time the wheel rotates. And I'm like, that's annoying. What is that? I get out. There's a small like cut at the, uh, the side lugs right at the transition from sidewall to, tread surface um mm. it's just like burping a tiny bit of air every time the tire sidewall flexes so we plug that um with like three three plugs or something did it and uh we continue on to turkey claw air put some air back in it um continue on to turkey claw turkey claw was awesome it's pretty wide so at any given point there's like three different lines that you can choose of varying difficulty and uh it's not super long um it does continue but we only did turkey claw so there's like two other trails that branch off of it that look pretty awesome but we just it was just me and dave neither of us had been to johnson valley before um so we're like let's not like bite off more than we can chew by accident because yeah it wasn't on onyx so we're like these are clearly trails but we don't know what they are. We don't know what the difficulty is. We don't have service, so let's just cut out according to where it says the actual trail is. Um, Plus, if your big ass got stuck, he probably couldn't pull you out. I don't know if getting stuck is really a thing in Moab because there's like not mud, but you know, you still get stuck, I guess. Well, we weren't in Moab, but or not in Moab, but in Johnson. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. Okay. Definitely, um, you can definitely get stuck. Uh, so bear with me. <laughs> um. <laughs> There is a lot of sand, so mud's not there, but if you kick the sand out and you end up, you can still end up like high centered on stuff. Um, so Turkey Claw was awesome. I took a couple optional lines that were like the harder ones and the truck did great. Um, there was one like really gnarly optional line that like Dave couldn't get up. Um, and it was like vertical and then shoot, straight back down the other way. And I was like, there's absolutely no way I don't get high centered immediately on that. So I didn't, I didn't try it. Um, Kind of like in the Badlands, uh, kind of by the pond, there's that like waterfall that like an XJ can pretty much walk up if it's got big enough tires. Um, but I always get high center on. It, it's like that, but even instead of that one just kind of goes up and then it's flat. This one was like same as that and then it went back down. So yeah there's just no way short wheelbase for sure um dave was having some rear locker issues where it wasn't staying engaged so i think he would have been able to get it if his rear stayed locked um because he was just getting one tire spinning unfortunately and so so we did a couple other lines on turkey claw i don't know i don't really know what they are um to be honest um but i'll start posting on my instagram 
um, some videos and pictures of all that stuff throughout the week, next couple weeks. Um, so then we cut out and you go, you go up the mountain for all of Turkey Claw and then you go down like the steepest freaking descent ever on like loose sand and rock. So we just took that slow. It wasn't too bad, but it was just like, it was so long. It's like one of those things where like, well, if I do start to slide, oh boy, you know, buckle mm. up type thing. Cause it's like, it was probably like 200 to 300 feet down. Not like, not in height, but like lengthwise. So like, yeah, it, it could go wrong quickly if you're not on top of things. So, so that was good. Then we went back to camp. Um, actually, no, we didn't get, we didn't make it back to camp before we ran into a diesel pusher RV buried all the way up to the axles with like an F-250 and a Jeep trying to pull it out with kinetic ropes um, and failing. And so I was like, this sounds like a good opportunity to throw 8,000 pounds around. So <laughs> so I hooked up. Um, they dug out a little bit more um, and we got it out first try. So sweet. Nice. Uh, definitely going to be a video of that posted because it's nice. So then we went back to camp and met up with Jason from Wheeling Wine and Whiskey. Um, and he was going to take us up over to Chocolate Thunder and Jackhammer or Sledgehammer. And so Dave with the rear locker issues was like, you know what? I got a long drive ahead of me. Like I'm going to, I'm going to head out. So we said goodbye to Dave, um, had some lunch and then we headed over to Chocolate Thunder, which during the day, nowhere near as crazy is at night, but there are still people bopping up and down it. So, um, so we're Jason walks it cause he's got a awesome buggy on 43 inches through 43 inch tires with like, he's, he's got water in the front tires too, which I think hmm. he said, don't tell anybody. So sorry. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> hmm. Um, I don't think it's a secret. I hope it's not a secret. Um, but yeah, so, so he walks it. Um, and I had seen some bigger rigs run it at night the night before or the previous night. And so I was like, I think I know how to do it. What'll work for me and my rig. So took a couple tries at it, but did make it up the hardest part of the, of the trail, which was awesome. It's not a Solid. long trail. It's not a long trail. You start at the bottom and it's mostly just kind of like smaller, looser rocks, maybe some sand. And then it starts to get really steep. And then once you get past like the, I won't call it a gatekeeper cause it's more or less at the end. Um, or like midway up and then it's just pretty easy from there. Um, so that was awesome. I, I, I felt so good. I was just like lots of like rock slider rotating around action on chocolate thunder and Turkey and Turkey claw. So I was just like feeling good and I'm like, let's go do jackhammer, you know, or, and I was trying to get a feel from like from Jason or anybody really like which, which one's harder jackhammer or sledgehammer. So now that I've been there, Jackhammer is definitely tighter, but I think easier than Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer is not as tight, but really, really difficult. Um, so we get to Jackhammer. It has this awesome rock garden at the beginning that's just, like, pretty good boulders. Like, like if you're on 40s, like, you can make your way through it pretty easily. Um, but it just felt good to kind of have, like, a good stretch of, like, 200, 300 feet of just, like, boulders, rock crawling, like, good warm-up. Um Sounds that was, amazing. That was sweet. Uh, and then we hit traffic, and there's like seven or eight rigs in front of us. So we get out of the vit, get out of the rigs, kind of walk up, see what's going on. There's this like S10 Blazer on tires that I've never seen before. I th- <laughs> they're either skid steer tires 
that had been cut or um, short course tires that had been cut, but they were bald before. I don't know. It was basically like we had a rectangle cut out of them every like, you know, whatever. And that was it. Uh, it was like okay. a slick otherwise. So not the best tire in the world, I don't think, for that. Um, Probably not. Kept getting hung up. Kept getting hung up. They'd get him out. He'd get hung up again. He was at the front of the pack. And we're just, we sat there for like probably 30 minutes and we're like, well, this is, you know, sun's going down, right? It's like three-ish in the afternoon by this time. And uh, we're like, well, we can hang out here. And so, oh, so after the awesome rock garden, there's a squeeze, a really tight squeeze. And so I'm like, I don't know if I can make it through that without like completely destroying all of the glass on the driver's side and caving in the bed. Definitely going to lose a rear taillight. There's no question about that. Um, so, but there was a Tacoma, a full body Tacoma ahead of me. Um, and I was going to like watch him and like, if he just completely destroyed his shit, I was going to be like, ah, no, thank you. <laughs> but we didn't want to Tacoma wait. is so much narrower than you. It is. So if he destroys his shit, you know, I'm going to, right? I know, but and I'm it, just saying, even if he makes it, it's like, you but, shouldn't, but he's, he's a good frame of reference. If he makes it with one inch. I might fuck my shit up. If he makes okay, it with like it. six inches, you know, mm. but every other rig was like beat to shit and like little tiny baby uh, Toyota trucks from like the, the 90s yeah, that were just sneaking through. And um, But we really only watched one rig go through it and it was a Jeep. So it was really hard to tell, right? So, um, and the Tacoma was taller than me, which... Mm. I don't know if it mattered or not. So, but I didn't get to see him go through it, so it doesn't matter. At after like 30ish minutes of just standing there waiting for no progress to happen, we're like, "All right, let's turn around. Let's go check out Sledgehammer." Like it's Jason was like, "It's wider, but harder." And I was like, "All right, well, Jackhammer That's didn't look that like. hard." Correct. Um This is <laughs> this is really hard. <laughs> so, I don't know what it normally looks like. Um and I'm not trying to make excuses here. But there was so much loose sand, like like sand that you'd find on a beach, loose, in between these giant boulders leading leading up to it. I don't even know if this is part of the trail. Like this is just a rock garden leading up to Sledgehammer, and I got stuck. I got high centered on my tie rod. I scraped the shit out and maybe even bent my hydraulic ram a little bit before we even got to the first obstacle. Oh my god. <laughs> It was nuts. Like, there was no traction. Like, it was like wheeling on, I don't even know, like, snotty mud, but it was completely bone dry. Like, the sand was not traction. You know what I mean? It's weird. Um, And the rocks were pretty big. Um, It was cool. I mean, it was a really awesome trail. I'd love to see what it looks like when it's not just recently tore up by 80 or 100 Ultra 4 cars bombing through mm-hmm. there. Um. But so then we back off of that. There is a way around the like gnarly rock garden. So I back off of that after a lot of trying and I mean, there's yeah, lots of scraping and stuff. Um, so get up on the like sandy road that goes around that. And so we get to the first obstacle and I'm like, this is big. Um, maybe I can do it. I don't know. Um, it's a lot like the V notch at the Badlands height wise, maybe a little bit taller um, and I'm getting on it. I'm trying different lines and I just, it's, but it's sand at the bottom. And I just can't get traction to climb it. Um, and we tried for a while and then I was like, you know, Jason, like, should I winch to you? I bet like, it just doesn't need a lot. He's like, let's walk the trail first. 
I was like, okay, let's walk the trail. He's like, he's like, it's not that long, so we walk the trail. Took and a this was jaunt. This is not the hardest obstacle on Sledgehammer. <laughs> so, um, a lot of people that listen probably know this. There used to be like a big. They called it the plaque rock. Like it had the plaques on it. Um, it fell over, and it's it's probably like a thirty thousand pound rock. Like this thing's massive. I don't know how it fell over, besides erosion. Um, but it blocked off the less difficult climb, but in doing so, it did make it a wider trail for the harder climb. And so there, so there were two lines you could go around it. One was an easier climb, but really narrow. The other one was a little bit wider, but still pretty narrow. Now it's just the one on the right is like super wide, um, but still the most difficult. And after the Ultra 4 race, it was really dug out also. And... You know that uh, that line I love to take near the the water down near the river at Badlands, where it's oh, like yeah. smooth rock face, but like a huge undercut. Yes. Add like definitely. two feet onto that, and that's what it was. Wow. So I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna make it up that. <laughs> not without a lot of horsepower, and momentum, and so on and so forth. I mean, if I had walked past the first obstacle, I sure would have tried it, but because that first obstacle was giving me so many fits, I was like, nah, screw it. So we walked up, we saw the rest of it. I mean, those are the really, the two obstacles I think that were going to give me a hard time. Um, but we walked up to the top, there's the mailbox, which is like the iconic, like you finished Sledgehammer and now you, you're at the mailbox for Johnson Valley. Took a picture there and then walked back down, did like a 17 point Austin Powers turn and drove out and went back to camp. And then what happened? I forgot. <laughs> it's a lot to remember. You did a lot. It sounds like. Oh, oh yeah. I foreshadowed about this a while ago. Um, so we're heading back to camp. I run into Carl Olympus, who's up in Sacramento. Um, so we hung out with them for a little bit, just said hi and talked for a little bit. Tommy and I were like, we got to go check out back door. And I, for the longest time I've been like, I want to try and like put tires on it. Like I know it's massive. I know that it's like one of the most difficult obstacles, but I've been to back door twice and seen rigs go up back door twice. And it seems like a longer wheelbase will help you. And I was like, you know what? If I can get my tires on it, I'll give it a fucking try. Right. So we get there. There's like 10 to 12, crazy purpose-built rock crawlers like like moon buggies and like none of these rigs had tire sizes less than 43s and a lot of people are like trying to crawl it and then they give up and bump it and so i think like nine or ten out of twelve made it um while we're there we did get to watch uh this 15 year old kid in a jesse haynes buggy crawl it crawl it crawl it not bump it I don't think his tires were... Was it a moon buggy? It was a moon buggy for sure. Okay. So it weighed like a thousand pounds, so it's fine. Oh, yeah. Rear steer, portals, like single seat, Ecotec 2.4 liter. Full competition rock crawler. Yes. Like an Axial Scorpion in one-to-one form. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But the kid... So his dad had one too, and his dad ended up bumping it, but he one-shotted it. And the kid, two or three tries, crawled it. And I was wow. just like, we, uh, Tommy and I are just like, oh my God, like that was insane. I've never seen, I'm sure if, there's probably videos on the internet of people crawling it. I've never seen them. 
it was super awesome. And he was 15. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy to see in person for sure. And his dad comes down. He's like, he's. I'm like, I, I, politely asking like, how does a 15 year old get like, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollar rig or more probably. He's like straight A's for, you know, whatever. I was like, okay. I got a PlayStation and I got straight A's, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's all. I mean, I'm. I was. That was really cool to see. And so then everybody gets to the top and they're all just shooting the shit. Or the people that got to the top got to the top, and the people that couldn't get up were like shoot. They're all just shooting the shit because they're all together. They're there from like Pennsylvania or something. And I'm like, well, enters Derek. I guess it's my turn. And I shit you not, I'm driving up to this thing. I hear this kid out of the passenger side window ask his dad. He's like. Is that thing gonna go up that? <laughs> I was like, I'm sure gonna try. <laughs> I couldn't even get my front daddy, tires on the way Daddy, that it. pickup truck can't go up that there rock. Well, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. So you're driving up to it, and it's like I don't know, seven or eight feet tall, and then oh you get God. to it, and then you go down two or three feet because it's so dug out from all the rigs trying. It's the it. most undercut thing ever. <laughs> it's like. It's like at Flat Nasty Big Bear, or Papa Bear, I mean. Except for there's no water. It's just you can see the undercut. You can see the undercut, exactly. And it's probably another foot taller than Papa Bear. The, the undercut is silly. The undercut is... Well, it's not really it's not really undercut, but it's it goes down before it goes up. Like, there's no, like... Oh, it's not that, that it juts degrees. out at the top. It's just that... Yeah, it goes yeah. down before it goes up. So but it goes just down it and then so it immediately worse. goes up at like a 70 degree angle. So there's just like an 11 that. foot wall in front of you? Pretty much, yeah. So Matt Mansfield could probably do it in the... The, the Cummins, Cummins crawler. crawler with some 47s and some Cummins behind you. And some rear steer. Yeah. Um, so I'm that waiting was for the part where you go up it in one shot. Come on, let's talk about that. You're going to be waiting for a while, buddy. <laughs> I... I think I could have gotten pretty far up it if I had been able to get my front tires up it, but it was so steep that I just kept hitting the winch mount or the leaf spring mounts or bashing in the front bumper. And after like three or four like tries realigning it, I like just I got super anxious, you know. And I was like, oh, yeah. I gotta drive home tomorrow. Like, I don't want to like flop this thing. I like I've had more time and there wasn't so much. And none of these people were putting pressure on me. Like I've seen the videos of backdoor. They got all the flashlights going and everything. All these people were like, they wanted to see something happen, um, but not like something bad. They wanted to see like good things happen. They were trying to help me spot and stuff. And like, and I just, at some point I was just like, I, I, I tried. Right. And I would have felt really dumb if I drove up there, watched all these people make it and at least didn't try to put tires on it. So I'm glad I did that. Now I have a goal. (laughs) So in other words, you are going to get rid of that 60 and I could have had it. Because you're gonna, you're not gonna use that one to link. Uh, so my my goal to make it a backdoor is not necessarily link it. If if I can really? do it before the next time I go down there, then great. But I I can put 42s on my truck without linking it. Um, I can move the axle forward an inch, trim everything, the core support, like all the way to the radiator, just about redo the front body mount, like. Get rid of a bunch of stuff. Trim the shit out of the bumper. Um, and that'll, A, having one inch bigger tire, or one inch bigger radius tire, rather, and moving it forward an inch will improve my approach angle significantly. Um, and in doing all of that, I'm also going to go high steer, which won't really help on backdoor, but it'll help on all the other crap. Um, 
And I mean, the tire size will help. Um, and then also, so again, I think if I had more time, I probably could have like gotten sideways and like turned into it. So like I, I wasn't dealing with the approach angle. So I was just one tire was crawling up, lifting the bumper up and then the other star- tire starts to crawl. But I just couldn't, I didn't have the like nerves to like do that carefully. And it was dead of night. Um, and just, so there was a lot going on. So I think with slightly bigger tires, I can at least get my front tires on it. <laughs> right. So that'll be an accomplishment. Um, and then we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens after that. I'll just black out and be at the top. So can we just re-drill our leaf springs like two inches further forward? Um, I would not. Why? Because that would put the hole like right at the the edge of the perch. And so now you've got like a stress concentration point. Okay, four inches. Sure. I'm just saying they make offset leaf springs. Why can't we have offset leaf springs? Just because there's a hole. You could get offset leaf springs made. I I, I don't like the idea of, of the leaf spring bending. Because like if you think about a normal leaf spring, you're clamping in front of and behind the hole. So you're not really flexing the hole much. If you move the hole to where it's flexing, it's just... I feel like that's going to be where it breaks. I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't. Can I just fill it in with weld? No, that doesn't work. I mean, sure it does. Sure it does. It's spring steel though. You're going to like remove the treatment of it or something. Damn. My plan is to, well, I only need to move mine an inch ish forward. Um, but you've already maxed is- out the amount of inch forward is, inch forwardness you can go no you have no 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 it's in the center hole so on a front axle it's trickier because you can't just like move it forward on the leaf spring perch hole so what i'm going to do is read redrill and add some material behind the cast pad on the diff side so it'll move you know the hole will be further back thus moving the axle forward about an inch maybe an inch and a half just give me a little extra space because the one on the other side has multiple holes in it. Um, mm-hmm. I think I have it set up so that it's an inch and a half forward. So I'll just match whatever's on the other side. Um, and then that won't add any extra height. And then also going to high steer, I f- if I move my steering box forward, I can get like an extra inch of up travel, I found out. So mm-hmm. that would be good for that high-speed desert stuff. Not great, <laughs> but... Four inches is 33% better than three inches of up travel, so I'll take it. Seriously. Um, so there's a lot to do, even with leaf springs. Um, probably should just link it, but not get the money nor the space to do that. So I'm going to go 42s and on leaf springs, and I'm just going to be that guy. Leaf <laughs> for springs for life. Leaf springs for life. Leaf springs <laughs> are for four, four people, unless you buy 42s. So, in which case, you just would be poor people, but instead yeah. you just chose to spend your rich guy money on tires instead of suspension. That's right. Because um, it does pretty good, like, crawling. Like, it's not a high-speed rig. It drives decently on the road. Like, I don't need to change it. I'm sure someday I do want to link it. But I don't know that I need to link it to do things like backdoor and sledgehammer. So, all right. So, you know how I have offset axle pads? I think we talked about last time we were on the podcast or the time before. Can I just build some of those that are like, instead of being like an inch and a half, can I build some of those that are like four inches? 
Probably. There's like a stud and a thing and then a pin that comes down. Probably. Is that fine? Like, what is the disadvantage of having your wheel not centered in the leaf spring? Like, is it not going to flex as well? Is it going to flex better? Like, No, it'll flex worse. Uh, you're, you're effectively increasing the spring rate. Oh, right? yeah. The you closer really you get that. to the pivot, the more the spring rate is. And the axle wrap will be worse. Mm. Yeah. 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 Damn. So it's like higher spring rate with worse axle wrap, which normally if, if you have it perfectly centered. But I mean, how far are you forward are you trying to go? Are you trying to put forties, forty threes, forty sevens? Calm down. I'm not even trying to get bigger <laughs> tires at all. I'm just saying it would be nice if the axle were further forward on the spring because similarly to you, what always happens is I like get into my bumper or my leaf spring mm-hmm. hanger before I get to the obstacle unless I go at an angle. Yeah, I gotcha. So, yeah. like, uh, the obvious solution is just bigger tires, but I don't think I'll go bigger than 40. Although I could. I mean, obviously, with the 60 now, you know, the sky's the limit, but... And then you can put 513s in it and drive on the highway again if you put a 45-inch tire. forty five. It'll be the same RPM. That is, Wait, what do you have? What gears do you have now? 411s? Four, yeah, 410s. So, 513 divided by 411. Oh, results undefined. That didn't work. 513 divided by 411. You have... 38s now. Right. Times 38. Derek doing math. Divided by 42. Nope. <laughs> uh, You'd need 47s. <laughs> <laughs> to be the same as I am now. To be the same RPM as you are now. <laughs> That's fine. I'll just get some LTBs. Just steel mats. Just steel mats tires. They're, and... they're six lug, but whatever. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I'll just steal some 47s. Redrill, redrill your 14 bolt and Dana 60 hubs to be super huge six lug. Six on 18. Whatever they are, yeah. Six, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just probably kidding. like six on 10. Yeah, I know. It's something stupid, but yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So recap. Busted a sidewall on a tire. Bent my tie rod up about two inches. Realigned oh my God, it before still we, like we, that? No, no. I fixed it. But um, we realigned it before we drove home. And when I got home, actually yesterday or two days ago, I re-straightened it. Um, didn't break a tie rod this time, which, or tie rod end, which is good. That's cool. Um, but that that was kind of the driving factor for going high steer sooner than later. Because um, I know I'd talked about this in the past, but I was like, I'll just be careful. And clearly, I'm just doing too hard of trails to be careful. <laughs> um, lost the fender flare on the drive home. It was just like, thunk, and it hit the windshield, which we were like, well, that's a weird. Was that a bird? Like, we thought it was a bird, and then, well, I think, I don't remember. It Did was, you say you lost a fender flare? Yes. And you thought it right. was a bird? It hit the windshield like a bird. I thought. How did that happen? Bro. I don't know, just wind. It somehow around. brought it off the front fender and into your windshield? Yep. Wow. And so, I, I did notice this, that... Two or three of the like clips down at the bottom had broken because the tire had gotten into the fender flare a little bit, and I was like, "Eh, it'll be right." I, I honestly, I didn't even say it'll ride. I was like, "Oh, weird. I'll fix that later," <laughs> which I should have probably. You should have said it'll ride. I should have said it'll ride, and then it would have rode. Exactly. Um, what was the other thing? There was something else. Mm, tie rod. Oh, the front diff cover was leaking. 
So, like, you drag your front diff cover past forward and back on a bunch of rocks enough, I guess, that I don't know exactly what happened. But it just started, like, drip, drip, drip. So the whole truck is, like, coated in gear oil now, which is cool. Um, Rust prevention. Yeah, there's no rust here. <laughs> there's nothing to cause rust here. When you drive back to Illinois, it'll be fine. Perfect. Um, so when I pulled the diff, I pulled the diff cover off this weekend, and it was like, and then it had a frowny face, like the paper gasket had like gotten sucked into the diff somehow. It was really weird. Weird. Um, so I put a lube blocker on it actually. So we'll see if that works a little better. Nice. Um, other than that, the locker worked awesome. These belly skids worked awesome and they got a lot of use. The rear drive shaft worked awesome. It got a lot of rock rash. A lot of rock rash. And survived um, all of it. Yeah, it's not dented. It's, I mean, there's some, like, I would say, like, one sixteenth of an inch gouges in parts of it. And it stayed round. It didn't vibrate on the drive home. Like, I'm very happy with the thick wall um, drive shaft that I have in the back there. What did you go, I eighth? Do- quarter uh it's 156 wall which is like a meritor like i guess heavy trucks use that size and just so like i I asked the drive shaft shop and i'm like i'm like what do you have this thick wall like i can i can buy quarter inch on mcmaster but that seems excessive and he was like i'm never going to get quarter inch to balance especially if it's not drive shaft tubing and i was like okay fair what do you recommend and he was like i've got this meritor 156 wall that like semi so so does that mean 0.156 yeah, yeah, 0.156. So that's like, what? what is an eighth? Like 0.125. So it's bigger than an eighth. Bigger it's than an it's eighth. a okay. little bit thinner than three sixteenths. Cool. No, so, that sounds great. Um, I mean, even an eighth wall drive shaft is pretty thick for drive shaft. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times yeah. it's paper thin. Yeah, for sure. Or it seems like it. Like when you when you no, twist they're... one, you like look at the part that's broken. You're like, oh, I can just like take this with my hands and like. It depends on the diameter of the shaft. So if you if you need to have a lot of torque with standability, um, typically the like oh and small diameter, like you'll have a thick wall. So a lot of front shafts yeah. are eighth wall or point one two, point one two wall, um, but. Cause they're like two inches in diameter, but like a mine's three and a half. Cause it's like an F two fifty, And I think it was like 62 thou. So like one sixteenth wall. So three over 16. Are you, are you, you oh, fact checking yeah. me, Mike? Yeah. I was trying to figure out what 0.156 is. And you're right. It's, it's like dead nuts between three sixteenths and an eighth. Three sixteenths would be one eighty eight point one eighty eight. Gotcha. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it, it, it it's still balanced. I'll just hit it with the angle grinder and a flat disc just to get it smooth again and repaint it, and it'll be good. Um, something else worked. Everything? Was it everything else worked? Yep. <laughs> yep. Just everything. 5-3 still kicking. Oh! Ow! The fucking the squeak i fixed the squeak and i don't know oh, if i talked it? about that on the podcast yeah you talked about how it's driving you that's sway bar links which are heims should have known um i think i text i already forgot what this stuff is that jason recommended but you told me about it you're like use this particular lube yeah um oh yeah you should tell me about that again because i sure didn't write it down and i my okay, it is this weekend. it's called well i'll tell all the listeners about it i'm too. actually writing tri- it down as we speak so try flow teflon lube 
And it comes in a spray or like a, a squirt bottle. Um, and Jason swears by it for Heinz. Try, like try like three. T-R-I-F-L-O-W. <laughs> Teflon lube. So I just bought the spray. I was like, can't hurt to have it for other things, right? Um, sprayed it on uh, everything. And it worked. It even... Ooh. Oh, so when I bent the tie rod, I scraped the shit out of the BSC ram, which still works, doesn't leak. There's a slight bend in the bar of the ram, which is annoying, but I guess I'll just run it until it starts to leak. Yeah. Because that's not really fixable, or at least no. I can't. Um, but one of those Himes was like basically seized. It was seized so bad that the bolt was spinning inside wow. of the Heim ball. And so I tightened it up, tried to spin it with the wrench, couldn't spin it. So I put this triflow stuff on it and like let it sit for a while, came back, still couldn't move the wrench, but I like started hitting it with a hammer, hitting the wrench with a hammer, started to loosen up. And then I was able to like eventually loosen it up enough to where I could move it with the wrench, not by hand, which is probably not ideal, but whatever. So I probably need a new Heim on the, on the hydro ram yeah but it did it did something so <laughs> i know it sounds like some pretty legit stuff if it would just yeah. get my hymns to stop squeaking i'd be happy i mean it got my I, I put a squirt on it and immediately they stopped squeaking so that's awesome so if you if that's all you got to do once every few months it's not so bad i guess that so then we drove back eight hours and it was fine the plugs mm-hmm. held in the tire I didn't even swap the spare on. We're just like, we'll just check the pressure every once in a while or make sure that they're not coming out. They didn't, um, didn't kill a bus of nuns, which is good. So you drove on it with those plugs more or less in the sidewall for eight hours and it was totally fine. Yep. Yeah. I would just throw one of those patches on it and just call it a day. What do you call them? In, Uh, in, inside patch. I know, but I, there was like a, some brand that made one that was like particularly good. Now I forget the name of it. Oh, um, tr- uh, oh, god damn it! Did you talk about it on Blue Tread? Blue Tread, thank you. So the one thing I, I did a little more research on this. I asked Tyler about it. I was like, "Do you think a Glue Tread would work?" He was like, "Yeah," and I think it would. But I don't know how many more miles I'm going to put on this. And I think the glue that they use on Glue Tread is not like a rubber cement. It's a different, it's like a flexible CA. Mm-hmm. I know acrylate from what I gather, I think a proper patch will probably last longer flexing at low pressures off road on the inside. Mm. The glue tread, glue tread, totally awesome for like an external patch. Like you're on the trail. I got to get off the trail. I don't have a spare or like, I don't want to use my spare to finish this trail so I can drive home on the spare or whatever. Totally Totally makes sense. That shit looks like it works phenomenally, and I, I want to buy one eventually. Um, but since I have the tire off of the wheel, I just did that today. Um, I'm gonna just do a normal like semi truck patch tread or uh, inner interior patch with like uh, rubber cement and do it the way that like tire co- tire companies have been doing it for 30, 40 years. So how big is the gash? Uh, you know what? I didn't look at the inside. The outside's like two inches, but when I put the plugs in, it doesn't fill up the whole gash. So I would guess like a fingernail. Oh, even just a standard automotive patch would usually work. The issue with the standard automotive patch, and maybe it's different with a semi, is that 
they don't usually work very well on a shoulder, like what you're describing, like on the edge mm-hmm. of a tire. They work great on a flat surface like tread. But if you try to run them in the shoulder, it just flexes so much that it'll eventually like break the seal, like mm-hmm. where it, the the round part is like trying to adhere to the tire. I see. Well, this one is like four inches wide by six inches long, and it has rate like you're supposed to put it on in the direction of the radial. Oh, that'd probably be all right. So we'll see. I mean, I'll just mm. monitor it. Yeah. And eventually forget about it if it works. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, like I have thing. to. I'm guessing what will probably happen is if it does fail, it will have fail on the trail when I'm at low PSI. So, but I, I really, I just need these to last until the 42s come in stock and I've got three grand or whatever. An extra three grand laying around that you don't need for anything. Ooh, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'll have that later this year as long as the Tesla stock doesn't plummet, but yeah. Hey, I drove a Tesla for the first time the other day. Did you? What'd you think? Uh, I was pretty impressed. I hated the drag brake. You uh, can I change guess you that. Can, huh? Yeah. You can I guess you can that. turn it off, but a coworker yeah. has one. We took it to lunch, and uh, on the way back, I was like, hey, I've never driven a Tesla. Can I drive? He's like, yeah, sure. Nice. And uh, yeah, he uses like his phone to start it, which is weird. And then the fact that the tablet... Start. Is, Start. I don't know whether we're turn on. Yeah. Turn the on switch. Allow to drive. <laughs> Allow to drive. Um, the fact that all that the tablet is it. Like there are no gauges in front of you. It's just like a big, ta- a huge, mind so you, tablet three in or the middle y? of the dash. That's it. That's all your everything. Was it a Model Three or gauges? Y? Huh? Model Three or Y? I'm assuming it was a three. Yeah, because the S and the X have another small one behind the steering wheel, I believe. This yeah, anyway. all only had the thing, but the acceleration, it just makes you giggle. Right. It's just like you just you mat it and like all three of us just get thrown back at our seats and we're just like <laughs> at the speed limit in like two seconds. I'm like, Jesus. Was it a um perform like a long range perform or a dual motor? No, it was just your plain ass Jane ass model three, and I was still impressed. Oh, really? I was just like, yeah. Good lord, this thing's quick. Yeah, they're awesome. I We've gotten we get to drive them as like engineering fleet vehicles uh, to like put miles on them for the battery mm-hmm. um, development team. And so, yeah, they're they're nuts. It's crazy. We don't have a Model S or X. We have an old janky Model S, which is pretty fast. But mm-hmm. I'd really like to drive a Plaid. I, I know a guy that has a Model X Plaid, which is like the fastest SUV in the world. Yeah. 2.6 seconds, zero to 60 it's insane. Um, but I really want to try and work it out so I can at least ride in a, a Model S Plaid that goes 0 to 60 in like exactly Oh, yeah, that'd be seconds. awesome. Two seconds. It's bananas. It's a dragster speed almost. Like a funny car almost. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Bananas. Um, They're they're cool. I, I, I whatever, whatever people think about electric vehicles, whether or not it's the future, they sure as shit are very quick. <laughs> His only complaint about the car is that it's rattly. Yeah, he's like, no, it's cool and it's great, and you know, he he's, he actually has to drive like an hour to work every day, and he said he still only has to go to a supercharger once a week. Wow, like it keeps enough charge, just like plugging it in at his house and like you know charging he has it up overnight. But well, he should have. He doesn't have a two forty volt charger. Do he know? doesn't. I don't think. Okay, I was gonna say because like he wouldn't need to go at all if he had a two forty volt charger. I think it's one twenty. Okay, it's just like whatever the ba- most basic thing is. Like he hasn't had anything installed at the house. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because like if you so if you have an electric vehicle, I don't know if they're all like this, but Tesla's at least 
they use enough power to monitor things and like preheat batteries and stuff like that during charging that if you go from 110 to 240 volt, it's like three times as fast. Damn. Because roughly half of the power on a 110 is used for like running the car or whatever. Oh yeah, it's so. crazy. It's crazy just using anything, be it yeah. this, that, or the other. If it has the option to run it on 240, it is always significantly better. That's right. I now have 240 volts at my house. Don't call I my saw landlord. that. I'm happy about it. Derek had a qualified electrician <laughs> qualified install it, and it's totally amazing. Totally permitted, too. <laughs> yeah, that, all of those things. <laughs> I mean, I think it's safe. It's just, like, it's Romex, which used to be code. I don't know if it still is in California. Probably not for 240. Yeah, Romex is great. It was, uh, it's fine. Romex ran it through the wall, and there's, like, this little trap door that goes to, like, it's some junction box that goes to the other side of the house for, like, a sub-panel. That I think used to be the main electric panel or main uh, circuit breaker panel. Um, and so I just put it in there so it's protected from the elements. I can just run an extension cord out to my welder whenever I need to. Does Romex come in different gauges? Oh, yeah. So you went with a thick gauge Romex at least. It's eight, eight gauge, which is oh, yeah, so eight. overkill for a six foot run for 30 amps or whatever the welder pulls, but yeah, whatever. No, but awesome that you have it because now you can do anything you need to in the driveway and be confident in your welds yeah because i blew the breaker on the garage twice welding the knuckle light brackets to the knuckles <laughs> which are like eighth inch and they're like an inch and a half tall or whatever so i was yeah. like this is not going to be feasible for anything but exhaust maybe no if you're blowing the breaker doing that you'd have been dead in the water trying to do anything else for sure so i'm stoked about that <laughs> all right so that was my koh experience and then some uh do we do we have anything else to talk about, or should we jump to the Patreon? It's been Dude, a long episode. A, yeah, it was a long episode, but it was a good episode. I was glad to hear about your KOH experience. Sounds awesome. Maybe someday I'll get to go. Maybe when my kid is old enough to actually do stuff and not just be a hindrance to my life. Yeah. Maybe. Then. Yeah, I mean, okay, Elliot's very young, but there were some younger kids there that were seemed like they were having a blast. I mean, like Hammertown. We didn't spend a whole lot of time in it because that wasn't like the main goal, but there's so yeah, much yeah. to do. It's kind of like a mini Jambo. Like there's vendor, there's dozens of vendors, not close to a hundred. Um, and there's just a lot to do and a lot of cool rigs to see. I mean, oh, I mean, I have no doubt. Not even awesome racing rigs, like just cars. There, I'm like, whoa, look at that. Whoa, look at that. Whoa, look at that. I'm like, just so much shit. Like, it's so, the off-road mecca. It really is. Um, and I hope yeah, I that it continues. It. There was so much garbage. Like, even just around our camp, we filled up two, like, kitchen-sized trash bags of just caution tape and crap. And on the trails, I think I filled up, like, half of a sacket with cans and shit that I found. Like, clean up your Pe- shit, people. Yeah, pe- people are disrespectful of land. And it's going to get shut up. down or limited or something like that. And people are like, why does the government step in? Because people can't fucking be respectful. Yeah, because you because you assholes need your hands held to well, pick up okay. after yourselves like a fucking child. You assholes being the people not probably listening to this podcast. I hope everybody that listens to this podcast. No, 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 no. Shit. If I just said you assholes not picking up your trash and that applies to you, then you are those assholes. Pick okay, up your yeah. fucking trash. <laughs> Anybody who listens to this doesn't pick up their trash is an asshole please pick up your trash keep the trails open for everybody 
Also, well, I won't get into it. We'll, we'll talk about it on the Patreon. Okay. Should we shout out our partner companies? I also want to say sponsors. I know that's not the word. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's see. How, how quickly can we do this? Complete off-road. Crawler off-road. Morphlate. Off-road anonymous. Off-road anonymous. <laughs> Damn it, you beat me to it. <laughs> Taking them all? I think. Crawler complete. Okay, we love you. Bye. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I couldn't even think of them as fast as you could say them. <laughs> uh, yeah, complete off road for all of your off road needs. Five six three five eight three five three six three. Crawler off road for your recovery needs. I wish I could say that I used my uh, crawler off road kinetic rope, but I already had one, so I will gladly trade in though if the crawler team wants to send me one. ORA for all of your Milwaukee pack out cup mounts and that's all. <laughs> Sorry. I, I know. I, when I said I'm never going to stop talking about it, I'm not kidding. I'm never going to stop talking about it. So here we are. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I forget who, one of the, one of the ladies in last week's episode bought their hubby a off-road anonymous swag, oh, dude, not swag pack, episode. but stuff. I listened to that just... To, I was trying to catch up with the podcast, and so I listened to two episodes today. <coughs> I really like the Lady Sewed. I don't think They're that's so what it was good. called. I, it, was, it was cracking me up pretty much the whole time. <laughs> me too. It was just... I don't even know like what to touch on because it was just so good the entire you time. So I was like in my bay, working on cars, just busting up. <laughs> Dude, you, so you, if anybody you, hasn't listened to the Lady Sewed or whatever it's called... Ladies take over, I think maybe. I like the ladies. Yeah, la- better, ladies, but... ladies take over 2.0 because they did it once already. Yeah. This one was better, so I mean oh, yeah. they're gonna put us out of a job pretty quick here. I was like, this is phenomenal. I mean, what would you rather listen to us talk about like facts and like real off-road things, or them just like spit nonsense that's hilarious <laughs> about off-road stuff that isn't really like factual? I mean, some of it was. There was there was a handful of facts in there. But I like that it was a lot of just off the cuff, like. I, no, I loved it. I thought it was super it was fun. Great. So, and then Morphlate for your inflation needs. What about deflation needs? And deflation needs. There we go. Run, run the right pressure off road. It will be more comfortable, and your car will perform better. Or truck. We never or talk deep. about rad designs. Are they not a partner company? I think Rory's maybe like I know that like 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 Rory's done like some cool shit for the guys, but I don't know if uh if they're actually a quote partner company. Well, his shifters are rad, so we can at least shut them out if they're not a partner company. I was just like, listening to the Rory cool episode, and I was wondering. I was like, are they? Same. Also, I didn't realize how old Rory was. I don't I know exactly no how, old how old he is, is, but he was like, I've got you know a. Uh, 20 something year old kid or something like that if I remember right I never thought that he no I'm friends with him on Facebook I'm, I'm positive he's not that young but I also don't think that he's that old either I could be wrong yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna him. guess I think I'm friends with him too maybe I'm not no I am but I just I don't stalk people that much on Facebook anymore so I don't really know what you look like Rory sorry <laughs> but looks don't matter don't they Derek doesn't matter I don't know it, it, I would like you less if you weren't as beautiful as you are. Oh, well, fuck you then. Damn. We better wrap this up. Mike, you got any last words? I'm going to tell you how I feel about you in the Patreon. Okay, that's not last words. That's All right, I'll do words. the last words. Clean up your shit. <laughs> pack it in, pack it out. That's right. 
and we'll catch you. Or do you want to do the outro? No, Derek, you've done everything else. Just do the outro too. I don't care. No, I've been talking the whole goddamn no, episode. I don't want you to do it. Fine, I'll say it <laughs> later. But we'll catch you on the trail. <laughs> <laughs>